Welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast, a weekly show about all things engineering, DIY projects, manufacturing, industry news, and Cody's Magic 8-Ball. We're your hosts, electrical engineers, Parker Dillman. And Stephen Craig. This is episode 333. And this week, we have Cody Enlick back on the podcast to talk about the supply chain and electronics. Um, so, Cody, uh, tell us a little bit about you, just... Why Why should our listeners care <laughs> about your right opinion? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, um, macro, I'll tell you why Macrofab trusts me. Um, I, so I come from the uh, distribution side of the industry uh, for almost 10 years. I worked for every, everyone from a small uh, independent brokers, started a couple of small independents and uh, worked for the largest independent distributor in the world and uh, headquartered here in Houston. Um, I've got a lot of experience not only sourcing parts, but specifically sourcing for obsolete, hard-to-find shortage material. Um, and uh, that is what I do for Macrofam and in turn for our customers and I guess uh, the proof's in the pudding. Uh, we've, you know, pushed, what, over 150-plus jobs to production uh, within the past two quarters. So um, where our customers would have otherwise been waiting for 52-week lead times from authorized distribution to go to production. So it's, it's worked out in a lot of ways. It's broadened Macrofab's capabilities and... Uh, I guess that's kind of what we're trying to spread here, right? Yeah. Um, so if y'all, our listeners, want to know more about Cody's background, go check out episode 318, where he was on the podcast to talk about his uh, background in strategic component sourcing. And that was also when he got Macrofab part of the ERAI, um, which is about counterfeit uh, components and tracking and that kind of stuff. Um, so go check out that episode of the podcast. Um, but this podcast, we're going to start doing something a little bit different every quarter where we're going to talk about the state of the electronic supply chain and then also um, kind of do like a future prediction. And uh, so we we got to come up with that kind of like a title for this podcast, but I think we'll let the marketing people figure that one out. Um, so, Cody, how has been the last quarter of the supply chain been to you? So, I mean, in, in terms of macrofab, it's, it's kind of just been business as usual, right? We're, we're still having pretty good luck, uh, in our secondary sourcing, um, for, for customers where, um, we're actually having we've been so successful for quite a few customers that are uh, now not only coming to us for their traditional production, uh, they're coming to us strictly just for parts. Um, even potential customers um, have been incentivized to join as a customer with Macrofab and build with Macrofab. Um, but the way that we were able to get our foot in the door was finding parts for them that they were looking for right now. And it was just kind of a testament to uh, I guess our capabilities uh, from a supply chain standpoint. So, um, and, and we're we're building out 
a lot of uh, processes internally to prepare for our ISO certification, which is, you know, uh, we're on the doorstep of, right, uh, with the recent hiring of, uh, you know, our director of quality. And, and uh, so that's very exciting. That's going to lead to, uh, you know, other opportunities and, and uh, macrofabs killing it right now, honestly, um, in terms of the state of the union of our, uh, you know, as we would look at things from a supply chain standpoint, uh, for our customers, we're doing, we're doing a pretty good job as a whole, uh, the state of the union and just globally on supply chain has not budged whatsoever. And we have only, uh, added to the, uh, to the, 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 the slowdowns, right. Um, I, I have, you know, some notes here, some of the main things, obviously, you know, the Russia invasion of Ukraine, um, you know, 70% of the world's, you know, neon gas capacity is, is from that region and is in, uh, you know, uh, jeopardization as a result of the conflict. Um, uh, but, but, you know, that, that, that's kind of, uh, you know, that's kind of last quarter, right? Lockdowns in Shenzhen with a reoccurrence and a resurgence of COVID has really um, hampered a lot of, you know, not only manufacturing capacity and capability, turnaround time, um, but logistics, right? So you're getting all these reports in from uh, the shipping hubs in Asia that uh, because of the lockdowns and because of the uh, you know, skeleton crews, I guess, if you will, uh, that, that, that are having to operate because of those restrictions, they're seeing longer delays They're you know, and if we were talking about, you know, specific types of goods, you know, maybe we wouldn't see such a delay. Right. But, uh, electronics are specifically are very highly regulated. Um, you know, so there's, uh, you know, something even in a normal market could get stuck in customs for a week, two weeks in a normal market. Um, so when, to, when you're when you're depleting those resources and you're decreasing the manpower and, you know, everything is simultaneously doubling in, in, in work. Right. Because now uh, we're talking about shortage material or even non shortage material. Everybody needs the chip. So the orders have never been greater. Right. The supply has never been thinner. And the logistic system that it all, uh, you know, this matrix that it all works within has never been more, um, and had so many constraints on it as, as it does right now. So, I mean, that, that, that main, you know, I know that's, that, so that's a lot of things in, in one, but uh, logistics, huge, right? I mean, and that's just in delays of, uh, Parts that are found. Uh, there's still a ton of parts, you know, major lines like Texas Instruments, for one, Xilinx, right? Uh, I saw a request the other day from a customer for uh, 12,000 pieces of a Xilinx part that we were able to find, right? Um, the, the chip trades traditionally on fine chips when they're in stock from one of the big five at $35 each, I think it was. Um, he was being quoted $3,000 a unit. Uh, so a Delta from $40 a unit to 3000 a unit. Yeah, two, two orders of magnitude more. 10,000, right? 10,000 pe- uh, pieces. 
Uh, we were able to find them at almost half, maybe like $1,800 a piece. Obviously still wildly outside of this guy's budget. Um, and he was forced to redesign. So um, it's it's just uh, we're not seeing any uh, loosening up from from even the more wildly used uh, brands. You know the the uh, you know the more universal parts, capacitors, resistors. Um, you know every everything is just really really tight right now, uh, all across the board. No pun intended, right? So. <laughs> Yeah, so let's let's jump into the uh, into the uh, Russian invasion of Ukraine. Then, um, mm-hmm. so uh, a couple of weeks ago, Steve and I were actually talking about this in regards to tube manufacturing because a lot mm-hmm. of tubes actually come from some factories in Russia, and then you know everything got um, trade wise basically cut off, so you can't get anything in and out of Russia for obvious reasons, right? Um, but um, that's not the whole story, though. Right. Well, I mean, it's, you know, the logistics side of it is one part, you know, then you're talking about uh, there's no neon whatsoever coming out. Taiwan Semiconductor, Micron, I mean, major, major, major players in that in that space that rely heavily on, you know, that for their, you know, natural resources of production. So it's 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 a trickle effect. Um, that, I mean, you know, it, it was, it was honestly a, a constraint even before the conflict. I mean, we were in this shortage long before this, this conflict, right? So, um, if anything, it's just made it, it made it worse. Um, but, uh, the main, I, I think the big thing is, is there's no saving grace right now. Nobody can come in on their white horse, you know, uh, uh, Taiwan semiconductor or Intel, nobody can come in on their, you know, on their white horse and, and start creating manufacturing facilities here in the state side. You're right. Yeah. Um, because we, we, we need the, the raw, we need the raw materials. So it's such, such a granular shortage now that I don't know if necessarily any one thing could, uh, you know, make it better. Yeah, I wonder what um, – this is not directed at you, Cody, but uh, mm-hmm. I wonder what – unless you know um, – what neon is used because it's a noble gas. Um, and I wonder why it's specifically neon is used in SMT assembly. Um, why another noble gas like nitrogen, which is more like you know 70% of the, of the air we breathe is nitrogen or um, argon or something like that. Right. I wonder why it's neon. Why specifically neon? Probably, um, but yeah. The, the actually the companies that you mentioned, like Micron and, and TSMC, are. I mean, I bet you almost every single semiconductor manufacturer is affected by it. But those those big ones are are, uh, I guess, special in a, a way, as that they a lot of other companies contract out their manufacturing to them to build their chips for them. Yeah. Um, so I mean, like a lot of manufacturers big, are are fabulous. Sure. Well, what eventually happens if you look at Taiwan Semiconductor or you look at Micron, it's actually eons and eons of these smaller semiconductor you know drawings or manufacturers that they've bought out, right? So 
they own it's not it's just that they own so much of the market because of the different the the catalog right the size of the catalog perhaps i'm getting a little bit ahead here uh we're only 12 13 minutes into this podcast but but i guess uh at, at the moment we just have to keep trudging forward right uh, there's not a whole lot that any one of us can do at the moment. Well, so, yeah, that is kind of jumping ahead a little bit, I guess. But, <laughs> um, there is, you know, and that's kind of like the whole point. You know, Parker uh, had mentioned earlier offline of, you know, this kind of quasi being a, a, a segment where I can, can yell at people, but Really, you know, it's just it's, it would it's, it's going to be more of a violent shove into uh, plugging a macrofab because honestly, it just based off of what our model um, is producing right now is is very, very, very successful. I mean, we are getting kudos in the industry from players in the supply chain side of the house um, that have been in the business for Years and years. I mean, since the invention of the semiconductor, because of how we're doing things, and um, it's so. Yeah, I mean, there's a whole laundry list of things you could be doing, but it's you know, what are you doing already? That it's such a case by case basis, right? What are your internal capabilities already? What are your you know, what are everybody has specific pain points, right? So. Hmm. Um, it's, it, well, and it, everyone has their own uh, possible solutions, like like the gentleman you were talking right. about, where their solution was redesign. Sure, yeah, and mm -hmm. you know, in another situation where we had a customer who is highly reliable uh, relies on a specific module, we were able to exercise a our a, a very very strong relationship that we have with one of our suppliers who has in turn introduced us to the manufacturer uh, of the manufacturer of the OCM, right? The CM of the OCM, if you will. And, and because we have this mainline capability, if you will, uh, these guys have offered practically, I mean, as long as the volume's there to private label for us, right? Hmm. So, I mean, there's different situations, right? If you're talking about uh, a massive need for a specific semiconductor, certain partners, certain strategic partners, I, you know, I hate using the word strategic because I'm the lead for strategic sourcing for Macrofab, but it's, I say it every single day. And it sounds cliche almost to me because I've, I've done this for so long, but it really truly is strategic. Um, we're able to, because we have the capabilities within our platform to capture the bomb, right? And the AI API sophistication is continuing to grow, right? We are shortening the times of noticing problems, noticing issues before they come problems. So, um, and we are, you know, utilizing very, very key strategic partnerships with companies that are providing us insights to major allocations. You know, I mean, like 
let's take the gloves off and just talk about it like it is. You think Dell, Ford, HP, like Samsung, these companies cut POs like everyone else? No, they're buying with, you know, forecasts. They're buying in, in massive quantities. But there's also, and we talked about this in the last podcast a little bit, branches to and avenues of accessing that that allocation, okay? So where nobody is in stock, even the independent distributors don't have stock, well, there's an existing order from a major OEM and there's an understanding that there may be allocation there and we're able to access that. So that that's another way that we're, we're you know, we're coming through. Um, it's... It's, it's, it's one just, of those asking to get in front of the line. Right. It's, it, it is. You have to get in front of the line and you have to, I mean, it's really trust in your partner, right? Because again, another thing that I'm seeing synonymously for a while there was my, my, my workload had, had dropped a little bit and we started to look and it's because people were trying to manufacture the solutions um, on their own. People were going to, you know, okay, well, we're not going to send this, you know, to strategic sourcing. We're just, you know, let's let's go to Google, right, and just Google the part number. I'm sure somebody out there has it. And then you come up with a distributor that shows up with 16,000 pieces of the part. And I look at it, and I see where they're buying the parts from. And I know that's where they bought the parts from because we cut an order to this guy for 8,000 pieces. And now magically, distributor over here in, uh, you know, Santa Santa Clarita, California has 8,000 less pieces. Like, how did that happen? Come on, guys. So there's definitely got to be, a, and, and, and there was nothing we could do. You know, it was completely in the customer's, uh, uh, you know, wheelhouse to try to take care of that on their own. Um, more power to them. I mean, but but essentially what we watched was we watched, I know who sold it to them and I know where it came from. We watched them drive the price up on themselves, basically. Um, and pay easily thirty to forty percent gross profit uh, uh, margins on uh, per part unnecessarily, really. So, um, but a lot of our customers are on board. A lot of our customers, like I said, are not only seeing the success of going to production, but also coming to us strictly for a parts resource, um, and uh, it's worked out pretty well so far. So. So you had the uh, circle back around to the neon thing. Yes, it's a, it's a. Apparently, it, they use it. They use an argon, so they do use argon and uh, neon mixed in together for their lasers. So they they want to make a very specific frequency of light, and uh, using this really special mixture of gas when they excite it, it will magically actually i was reading an article that steven sent me about it and it says in there magically produces this <laughs> ultraviolet ray wow. um at the, like the right frequency so someone probably I mean, there's probably some science and some math behind it magically Pro- i was gonna yeah. say it feels good to know the scientists couldn't even get I, scientific on that one um, <laughs> i do i i want to see what like the greek symbol for like magically would be because like so you have sigma and and all those symbols and stuff. Like, what is magically? Is it just like a, a magic wand emoji? I, yeah, probably. Right. <laughs> so, like, 
you have this huge equation and then magic wand emoji and then the answer. <laughs> Don't a, write it's, that it's on a, your test, people. It's not the Greek alphabet. It's the Greek runes at that point. Runes? Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're way past, like, the, the math and science of this. Hieroglyphs. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's, that's interesting about... Um, oh, man. Yeah, it feels like that is almost what I live on a daily basis, Cody, is supply chain just, like, being as part alternates and all that stuff and like explaining to customers like you know you can't uh, this goes back to steven's topic a little bit it's like you can't will though like if there is none you can't just make it happen right sometimes the answer is none that's unfortunate well if you go back to Say like 2016 time frame is when is when 2016 20 on the edge of 2017 is when we were kind of seeing like a big NAND shortage, shortage NAND flash shortage. There was a lot of weird shortages those in 2016, 2017, 2018. Crystals, oscillators. So what you Capacitors, saw, yeah, yeah. Well, the huge cap shortage, of course. So you what you saw were um, a co- a bunch of these pump companies that were popping up. Um, and, and I think at that time, it was strictly factory shortages, right? I don't, I don't think it was necessarily raw material because what you did see were a lot of these private label companies popping up from, you know, Shenzhen, uh, uh, mostly in China, that were offering crosses, that were offering to manufacture crosses. Obviously, you know, the, the, the sophistication was, you know, it was tiered. Or, or it had a ceiling, right? You know, we're not talking about guys out there replicating, you know, Xeon processors or whatever, but, you know, crystals, oscillators, resistors, caps, uh, more of the board level stuff um, that, I mean, and, and they were successful. Like uh, there were, there were some cases, you know, where, um, cause I mean, that's such a daunting take on, I mean, you're, you're talking about coming into a company. I mean, wildly volume driven job, right? To go into a company and say, hey, we'll take these drawings and we will f- manufacture crosses. I mean, that's, that's you, yeah. such a huge overtaking um, or undertaking rather. And it's, uh, but you wouldn't even be able to do that now, right? Just because of the raw, it's it's gone down to such a raw. Raw materials and also. Material shortage. Um, yeah, it was it, raw material shortage going on now, but also the machines. Because um, yeah, right. I, I remember reading about that stuff, and basically what they were doing is they were buying all older machines and then just mm-hmm. basically making a new line in, like, a warehouse to run, mm-hmm. make capacitors and resistors and stuff. And But the thing is, they're still making those parts, and there's none of these extra machines lying around anymore. It's... Um, <laughs> It's, uh, it's 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 really one of those ironic like ironic catch yeah. twenty two yeah we're in yep. um so uh so that's that's kind of circling back to the topics at hand so we talked a little bit about uh what's going on with, like why is the Ukraine invasion causing supply chain shortages uh, mm-hmm. for SMT components and stuff but um more recently we had well I say more recently the Ukraine invasion is still going on um 
but more recently in terms of starting, I guess, is the uh, new lockdowns that happened in Shenzhen and Shanghai um, about COVID. And it's one of those, well, if your parts are made there, of course, you know, there's going to be problems if the whole entire city gets locked down. Um, But can you explain a little bit more about that? Like how Mm -hmm. is it still going on? Is it any chance? Where do you see this ending up being? So the problem is, is that um, it's not really a matter of if your parts are made there, you're screwed. I mean, all the parts are made there. I mean, everything, not everything has a country of origin, China. It doesn't matter. It's all made. It's all made right there in Shenzhen, right there in China. I mean, yes, Taiwan plays a huge role too, right? Um, But I mean, so much of the business is is dependent upon China that you might as well say it's all made there. Especially if you're talking about what we're talking about, well, the whole raw materials part. So even if your transistors are made in Taiwan, the raw materials, most of those parts, like let's say the encapsulation that goes around it, that material is probably made over in China. Right. And and we're not talking about the PCB, the raw boards here, right? Those guys, those are being thrown at us left and right, right? We have raw PCB manufacturers beating our doors down, but... It's the parts, like that's the other part of our job is to put parts on those boards. And um, uh, I think a big thing, you know, like I, like we talked a little bit about earlier is not only, you know, the supply, uh, the manufacturability, I guess, or lack thereof that goes on during these sh- or doesn't go on during these shutdowns. It's, again, the logistics because now we, we have parts that didn't need to be manufactured, but our suppliers in Asia have to move our parts to our partner facility at our test lab. That is wildly. I mean, you're talking about in a in a good time or even a bad time, we could get parts from our supplier to our test facility within three days max, right? Um, now, the logistics has slowed that, or it it creates that accordion effect, right? Because then they get overloaded. So now the test lab, you know, there's there's regulation, right? But I mean, at the same time, they've just got so much incoming that that internal process gets delayed now. So now we're the logistics has delayed the testing. The testing is delaying the ultimate shipping to the U.S. Now they've made it to you know the boat, and there's a problem at customs. Uh, someone forgot to file some type of a of a you know customs paperwork or, or, or a uh, export document, whatever the case is. So it's it's everything, it, you know, it can't be just one thing. It's such a domino effect right now um, that... Uh, supply chain it, slinky. It is. It is. Made out of jello. I mean, slinkies are at least <laughs> sturdy and go back to some type of a, you know, shape. This comes back and it just melts again. Yeah. It's it's like a pressure wave effect, right? Right. Where um, everything works just fine when uh, you don't have any acceleration changes. So right. Yeah. Then we're- who knew just like hitting the brakes on everything in the entire world for two months would not have disastrous consequences? Yeah. <laughs> you know and. What you were wondering earlier about the raw materials, you know, where I wonder 
what I really wonder is where is it going to go from here in terms of the after product, right? Consumer goods, consumer electronics, even the industrial equipment that we're making for our customers. I mean, you know, look at fuel or look at used car prices right now. Did they say, hey, they're paying $46,000 for a Toyota Camry. Um, Supplies come back. You know, uh, we're turning on a little bit now. Do we lower the price on the Camry? You know, they've adjusted. They'll pay it now. We know they'll pay it, you know. It's really sad because eventually the supply hopefully will catch up. But the wonder is, you know, where's what's the what's the monetary effect? And not only, you know, domestically, but globally when it all does catch up, you know, what are we going to do? Are are Xilinx chips still going to be trading for two dollars and 15 cents like they used to be or should be? Or or are we going to see, you know, marginal increases on even just list price product going forward? Um, are well, we, we saw with to see costs go up, you know, from the authorized distributors. That'd be interesting. Well, we saw from the because the, the last big shakeup, I guess, was the capacitor shortage, where right. um, a lot of capacitor manufacturers basically it's basically what was happening is they were being outstripped of all their products, and they were like, "Well, we're going to raise prices because we can't." We're they're not willing to build more factories. Because all it takes is Ford to cancel all their orders, and then now they're hung out to dry on their new facility. Uh, so they're not going to build more capacity. And so what they did is they just cut all their 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 catalog. Basically, they 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 streamlined all their catalog, which honestly probably needed to happen because uh, they had so much so many. You don't need a a hundred thousand different kind of capacitors ceramic capacitors sure. like maybe maybe a couple thousands probably fine right <laughs> but um cutting all that back and then so of course in that time frame capacitor prices went through the roof um and they did come back down they did not stay at the all-time high they didn't go back down to as cheap as they were though they did stay so they they went up a bit but they did rebound we'll probably well, okay. see Something similar there. So there, uh, it is important to make a distinction here too. So when prices go up, like we're saying right now, like prices are going up. Well, that is from the open market distribution, which was also feeding a lot of the capacitor shortage, the NAND flash shortage. So open market, who isn't regulated as an authorized or a franchise distributor and can basically name their price, Sure. Yeah, they're not going to be able to sell product at those prices when DigiKey and Mauser and mm-hmm. Avnet all are carrying stock now. They're going to be, you know, trying to flood this stuff out for pennies on the dollar. Maybe, you know, who knows? But I think so. Really, what it is is you're seeing not so much a price drop from the OCMs. We're seeing the market regulating back because stock has come back into. Uh, Play with you know the authorized and franchise pricing, uh, and we're not reliant on these outrageous you know out atmospheric prices from the open market that we're seeing uh, now too. You know, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully that we do see that and we see it soon, man. Mm-hmm. Well, it it does feel like it won't end though. At least like. 
we'll get to that in a little bit. I guess. Actually, let's just go ahead and jump into it. Um, sure. Is, so, Cody, where do you see an end at the like a light at the end of the tunnel yet, or is it still like we're still just going? We're still we're we're, we're actually following the tunneling machine now. Still. <laughs> uh, yeah. Right. Yeah, we are the tunnel. Because um, that's so, what it feels as a designer. That's what it right. feels like right now. Like, I feel like I'm chasing right. my tail every day. Yeah. Right. Uh, short answer, yes. We're still riding the tunnel. Um, uh, hopeful answer is, again, we are seeing people doing things outside of the box um, other than just sourcing parts, right? We're, we're seeing companies really hone in on their internal processes for designing for manufacturing, right? They're getting smarter with shoring up what's going to be on their bomb with what's going to be in stock. And, and they're, you know, some of them are moving from the big names like Intel and TI to some of the more smaller niche, white label, custom label manufacturers. Again, you know, we've got customers, whenever I have customers coming to me, you know, and they say, hey, you know, can you find this part? And I'll look at the part number. I see it nowhere. Well, I do a little bit more digging, you know, through French or, you know, other distributors and come to find out it's not a widely manufactured part. It's a private label part from a Chinese manufacturer that had originally made it specifically for this customer. So those different, you know, resources are there depending on if they can make parts and do them with, you know, quality in mind, uh, which again, at the end of all this, there's so there's so many facets. You've got the the fragility of the logistics, the fragility of quality surrounding all of this, because nobody has um, dealt with so much shortage and so much secondary sourced material before. They haven't gotten all the. They haven't dealt with all these Chinese Chinese you know companies before. Uh, they haven't had to rely on sourcing all this stuff themselves. Um, so it's. Again, it, no, there's no light at the end of, tu- of the tunnel yet. I mean, right? Intel's still coming out saying we don't see anything until, what, 2023, 2024? Um, you know, no sound bead on said light. But what we are seeing are uh, people putting, you know, planning, you know, and, and, and changing the way they're doing things and uh, that is is you know like you said you know the, the more focus on alternates and and going into a redesign or not anything to 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 you know side skirt redesigning you know anything to avoid mm-hmm. redesign so um yeah the um on that redesign thing that's that's the customers at least i work with and me as, as someone who builds product too in this current crazy environment is redesigning seems to be the easiest actually solution um, in terms of man, just getting your stuff out the door. Right. Um, the whole, uh, what I'm, I'm looking at now is kind of like similar to this is my predict. I guess we're going to jump into predictions kind of, I guess um, my prediction is what we're going to, cause we're seeing basically the SMT manufacturers. They're also not scaling up. They're not 
building new fabs. Um, we talked about this when uh, there was this whole like bill, like billions of dollars that the U.S. government was going to, you know, hand out to to build up new factories in the United States. All good. All that's all great, right? Except that when you look at what they're going to build, they're going to build the high end Intel processors. They're going to like small nanometer feature stuff, which is not what we need to build products. Like your car, like at best has like 45 nanometer, like, or like 30 nanometer style stuff, which are not building those fabs here. Those are cheap parts and we need more cheap parts. Um, so what I see instead is basically similar to what the capacitors, uh, capacitor manufacturers did is cutting out a lot of their older parts, narrowing down what they offer and building more of those parts, which sure for like a lot of old designs, that's going to obsolete a lot of old designs. So you have to update to newer parts. Um, and we're probably going to see, I'll put it this way. We're going to see less through hole, all those through hole microcontrollers and, and uh, 74 HC series parts. Those are probably going to go away. Like those are going to be gone. Now it's going to be all surface mounts just to reduce how like some manufacturers have like eight or nine different packaging for like a single microcontroller. That's going to go away. They're going to be like, you get a T-SOP and that's it. Maybe a QFN. Well, and when you say go away, perhaps it's for a large chunk of that, perhaps it's just temporarily go away. Uh, just something to get by because if you're already willing to redesign, maybe you'll be willing to redesign to the one package that they're now offering. And then given a few years down the road, they, you know, open the product line up again to multiple packages. Or, or it goes Could to be. another manufacturer. Just, another manufacturer yeah. eats it up again, like Ma- Maxim, Murata. T- I mean, these guys have traditionally traded designs so many different times. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you mm-hmm. guys know that. You see the parts. How many times have you seen yeah. a, a IC that is the exact same fit, form, and function, but it's made by Toshiba, but it could be a Murata, it could be a Maxim, you know? Yeah. So. You, you, you it's know. when you pull up the PDF for the data sheet and it's just like uh it's the same PDF as like a uh uh not Altera a uh Allegro but now it's got a like microchip logo on it. Right. Yeah. The, uh, but that's because what is it? Uh is it Micron? I think it's Mic- Micron. Micron got bought out and Micron built parts for Allegro and then now they build them for uh microchip now. So so a lot of those like old sensors and stuff like that are like that. Um, but I, I don't know if I ever see it open. We'll have to see. My prediction is a lot of the older stuff is going to go away and they're going to optimize and narrow their their catalogs, especially like microchip. They just bought Atmel. And a lot of Atmel parts compete with the pick parts, the older pick parts. So it's like, why are you going to keep building like a pick 16 where... The only reason why you're still building that part is to satisfy no one's no one's designing new part new products with that part anymore. And so it's like, well, yeah, or or just you know, it's end of life now. So it's like just build them to satisfy current demand. But it's like, when do you keep doing that when you can just build the new greatest, you know core uh core atmel uh arm parts that are one probably uh uh, they're faster and and probably cheaper to manufacture now because of all the improvements in in, in yield, and uh, the uh, 
and now and people are designing that with new products. So it's it's going to be weird. It's the same thing. It's easy to do that for capacitors because you can just go, like, oh, I can get an alternate for the capacitor, right? I can get something else that's going to work close enough for that. Microcontroller is a completely different beast because it's got code um, that you have to compile for that specific chip. Um, yeah, it's going to be weird. It, it's it's interesting on supply chain where the, so the Raspberry Pi Foundation came out with their own microcontroller. And you can just buy those. So I don't know what fab. Maybe it's Broadcom that's making them, I guess. Um, I don't know. Uh, that's just me because that's on the Raspberry Pi 4 or 3, 4, et cetera, boards themselves. They use a Broadcom chip. So I don't know if they're using Broadcom to make this microcontroller. But you can just buy them. Like, I just looked it up. and I'm like, oh, there's like 80,000 on like Mauser or something like that. I'm like, who is making that part? So some some fab out there is still still putting out products, sure. or maybe no one's using that part yet. Okay, or no one's <laughs> using it. Yeah. I don't know. I think uh, to speak one, you know, one more point about the supply chain. Hopefully, hopefully, um, this. You know, I know it's a shameless plug for Macrofab, but. This continues to grow with Macrofab because, again, if, if you're not doing it with Macrofab, you need to find someone who is plugged into the excess secondary obsolescence, hard to find parts industry. I mean, you just have to. Like what's keeping a lot of customers float right, afloat right now? Uh, Brother, Kodak. All the big, all the bigs, right? You have these brokers that are reaching out, and they're they're actually they're they're playing a important role right now when they're connecting these dots and taking these excess lists and making them visible. Uh, it's not a long term solution by any means, right? But it's getting a lot of customers who are otherwise lined down to production, um, and and I see that ramping up actually i see a lot more excess coming into the market i see a lot more of a focus on when people can actually get a second to breathe from the main fires that are on the manufacturing side and say hey where can we fit in as far as like what is what is our excess inventory looking like how can we get you know you're talking about you know companies being able to make money too at the same time i mean there's sales to be made there and, and there's inter you know Inter, uh, you know, uh, industry transactions that could happen that could ultimately keep people from uh, having to redesign or, you know, waiting mm -hmm. these crazy long wait times that we're all waiting. And so um, I, I want to I just wanted to mention that about access. I see access really playing a big uh, role and at least trying to carry us through into. Uh, yeah. Until the slinky these, catches up. Yeah. <laughs> the jello yeah. stuff wiggling. <laughs> yeah, yeah jello stuff exactly. Wiggling. Um, and it's also that's actually a good thing um, when you think about it because it's it's otherwise stock that just eventually gets would have been scrapped and let's say sure. five years ago would have just been scrapped and become e waste. So now we're sure. actually you know kind of reusing that inventory again. Um, mm -hmm. Cause that's one thing I've always thought about, like when we started Macrofab and like, well, it's like, well, you have overage. So the overage you would just store into inventory if it was over a certain value and if it was under a certain value, it would get scrapped out. And so it's one of those, you know, at least nowadays, uh, 
um, it's funny to think about a supply chain crisis would enable us to recycle more. Right. Well, I mean, it's true because you have a lot of ITAD companies that are making big moves right now. You know, their jobs are to come in and, you know, scrap, you know, data centers for crying out loud, you know, or, you know, other, uh, uh, what do you call it? You know, just commercial equipment. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, there's big business in that too. And those guys are, are very busy right now. Also. Hi, Cody. What's your what's what's your magic eight ball saying right now? All right, so you have to put you have to put a dollar down. <laughs> so what's what's the next three months? So what we're going to do is in three months, Cody's going to come back on. We're going to talk about the state of the supply chain again, and we're going to go over like basically his his prediction. He's about to lay down for us. See how close okay. he is. We'll, we'll, okay. we'll hold you accountable. <laughs> accountable. <laughs> On this podcast, never. <laughs> so so the, I just shook the ball. The ball says optimistic, okay? Ooh. And I'm predicting a wild loosening up of uh, uh, restrictions in, in China. Uh, and I'm, I'm hoping, I'm predicting... Uh, a substantial increase in uh, the the motion in the ocean in terms of manufacturing and hopefully a lot less lead times and some of this logistic, uh, you know, uh, nightmare uh, kind of frees up a little bit. And we start seeing, we start seeing, I, I, I think we're going to see Asia become a lot more active uh, within the next 90 days. So, which is going to play a huge role for, for our business, and I know that that may seem nearsighted, I guess, but uh, I just know that um, you know everybody else is so highly reliant upon it too. They have to be right now. That that, that would hopefully supply a little bit of a, a little bit of breathing room, maybe a little bit of slinky. So, yep. Uh, yeah. Well, Cody, thank you so much for coming on to our podcast again. Definitely. Thanks, guys, for having me. Yeah, we'll see you again in three months. Awesome. Take care, guys. So, so that was the MacFab Engineering Podcast. We're your host, Parker Doman. And Stephen Craig. Later, everyone. Take it easy. Thank you, yes, you, our listener, for downloading our podcast. If you have a cool idea, project, or topic, or have some stuff with supply chain, let Steven or I or Cody know about it. Tweet us at MacFab, at Longhorn Engineer, or at Analog ENG, or email us at podcast at MacFab.com. Also, check out our Slack channel. You can find it at MacFab.com slash Slack.